1: Welcome back, weirdos, to History for Weirdos, 100th special episode.
0: I was going to say we're back, and then you were saying welcome back. I know. So we sounded clunky. <laughs> but what a what a perfect way to start episode 100 and being totally offbeat.
1: <laughs> I know, right?
0: But here we are with our very special 100th episode of History for Weirdos.
1: I mean, can you believe that we're here?
0: No, I really can't. I, I never would have thought we'd get to a 100 episodes
1: so for our folks who follow us on Instagram you yeah. already know that we're recording at a special place but for everyone else yeah. we're actually recording this episode in Spotify studios in downtown Los Angeles
0: Thank you Spotify Thank you
1: Spotify they were very nice enough to let us come in and record in a professional studio yeah Ie not in our
0: our living room
1: exactly <laughs> or our I couldn't table. even say it. I started laughing.
0: Yeah, we're not in or your
1: parents' bedroom.
0: It, right. We're not in our living room or on our dining table recording. We are in an actual studio here on the Spotify campus. It is so cool. I mean, we're we were gonna share pictures on Instagram. So if you don't follow us already, now's your chance. Yeah. At History for Weirdos on Instagram so you can see this really cool setup that we have going today. So perfect for such a special occasion.
1: It is. I mean, I'm a little at a loss for words because when we started this whole thing, um, I'm I'm being very reflective right now, obviously. And I, I just, I don't think it ever crossed my mind that we could get to this place. Yeah. That was never even a consideration. It's not even like, oh, I don't think we could do it. It was just beyond our scope.
0: Totally. We just went into it for the fun of it, which is, I think, a great reason to start something. Yeah. Because look at where we are now. Look at... Spotify.
1: Look at me now, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Christy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, and that leads us to our very first question.
0: Oh, yes. Well, let's give folks a little overview of what's going on today.
1: That's probably for the best.
0: Before we jump right in, we are going to be answering some questions that folks submitted on Instagram. And then we're going to jump into some weird history stories from you all, from the weirdos, from our listeners and we are so excited to answer your questions and to share these awesome emails that we got. So this episode's a little bit different for that reason. It's our special episode. And I think now we can jump right in.
1: Right. And one more thing to add, we had so many responses from you guys. This is going to be split into two episodes.
0: This is definitely going to be a two-parter.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But that's great. More content for you all made by the weirdos for the weirdos.
1: I know. It's pretty special. Thank you guys so much. Like, honestly, my heart like swells with gratitude not to get too cheesy. When I think about all of you who wrote in either a question or a story, we really appreciate you guys.
0: Oh, my gosh. We appreciate it so much. So thank you to everyone who's making these two special episodes possible.
1: I know. Okay. Well, shall we start it off?
0: Yeah, you kick us off with number one.
1: Okay. So very first question. What made us want to start a podcast together?
0: Yeah, I think you're really good at telling the story. We've told it before. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share?
1: I don't know. I kind of want you to share, actually. (laughs) I think you're really good at sharing it. And also, let's be real. I'm going to be honest with you guys. This was her idea.
0: Oh, thanks, babe. My idea, maybe. But you definitely are the person that executes on the (laughs) idea. So I appreciate that. (laughs) So from my perspective... How long ago was this now?
1: This was in the fall of 2019, so pre-pandemic.
0: Yes, pre-pandemic times, I was in graduate school. Andrew was traveling for work every single week, so I really missed him. I was always busy with school. He was always busy with work, and pretty much my main company at the time in between like studying and field practice was podcasts, right? We all love podcasts. And one day when Andrew is on a flight home from his latest work trip, I had kind of like a lightning bolt moment. I thought to myself, wait a second. Lots of people start a podcast with their best friend. Why can't I start a podcast with my best friend? And then the wheels started turning in my head. And the idea really just kind of flowed for History for Weirdos with the name and everything for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I emailed it to him. Just kind of in like a frenzy. I was like, what do you think? Should we do it? And then on your end.
1: On my end, I was like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was pretty much it. That's
1: pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, even the name, that was you. Mm-hmm. Because we wanted to originally share weird history stuff yeah. and weird history stories and stuff. And <laughs> and it got to the point where it's like, well, that doesn't really have like a great name to it. And then Stephanie is just like, what about history for weirdos? And then boom.
0: Actually, it came to me. The name came when I sent you the email, I'm pretty sure.
1: Oh, yes, it did. From the it, beginning. Yes, no, you're right. I yeah. I, I, I'm, I found this email actually relatively recently. You did? I did. And I was rereading it and in it you you gave a couple examples and okay, one of them yeah. is history for weirdos. You're yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um and so basically, we're very different in a lot of ways Andrew and I. Mhm. But one of the things that we both love is history and stories and weird stuff i guess (laughs) it's true so that was the foundation for this podcast history for weirdos
1: such a great question
0: and here we are okay so number two i feel like we already answered this today but question number two is did we ever see the podcast coming this far no (laughs) yeah simple answer is no
1: (laughs) and it's again not because we didn't believe in ourselves it just wasn't even in our scope of understanding i think that's the best way of putting it
0: this is better than we could have dreamed we'll just put it that way
1: yeah okay question number three favorite mythological creature Mm -hmm. oh such a good question that's a good one that one's tough so i think i was in fourth grade and i was on a soccer team called the blue hydras (laughs) I'm not even joking. This is 100% true. And so I think one of my favorite, if not my favorite mythological creature, is a hydra.
0: A blue hydra?
1: A blue hydra, at that. And if you don't know what a hydra is, it's a sea monster that has six, I think six heads. And you cut one off, and then two more sprout out from it.
0: Oh, that would be such a pain in the butt. Yeah, I know. Hercules fights a hydra, right?
1: Hercules fights a hydra. I think Odysseus, um, no. Take that back. I actually don't know about it. I don't think he, it's part of the Odyssey. Never mind.
0: But I, I, I'm sure it's come up in more than just Hercules' story because that's quite a creature.
1: It is, yeah. Yeah,
0: Hydra's a cool one. For me, such a cheesy romantic. It's always been ever since I was a kid. I've loved the Phoenix.
1: I knew you were gonna say that. It's yeah. because of Harry Potter, isn't it?
0: No, I or think, think it even was even pre-Harry Potter. Even, I think it might be even pre-Harry Potter. Uh, I was a strange child. You guys. She was. I was a very odd child, and. <laughs> That makes sense, though. And I remember having the idea really young to name my kid, my future kid one day. We're not naming our child this. But at the time, I was convinced I was going to name my kid Phoenix because, and I remember telling my mom, and she's, like, cooking in the kitchen. And I'm like, Mom, one day <laughs> I'm going to name my child Phoenix. So that they know they can always rise from the ashes.
1: Oh my god, that's so unbelievably cheesy and I love it.
0: Yeah, and she was like, okay, can you help me like peel these tomatillos now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, couldn't care less. She couldn't care less. You know, actually, speaking of mythological creatures though, I do like the griffin as well. Mm. And that would actually be a good first name, griffin.
0: Yes. We can't use that one either.
1: No, we're not going to, but.
0: We can't, I don't know what griffin is in Spanish. Griffin. No. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely not.
1: <laughs> okay, next question.
0: Uh, will we ever be doing a video podcast?
1: That's a good question. Yeah. Um, we don't know. We don't know. Simply, simply put, we really don't know. I want to, yeah. possibly. We a lot would have to happen, I think, before we could get to that point.
0: Yeah, Andrew's a big, big proponent of it. To be totally transparent, because it's you all. This is our community. I get a little nervous thinking about it. Just because, you know, feeling like, can I keep doing the podcast in my robe and slippers now? Or do I need to actually <laughs> yeah. put on clothes and pants? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a little bit more effort in multiple ways, right? The, right. the logistics of it is going to be a learning curve.
1: Mm-hmm. So we're
0: totally open to it. We think that's a great way to connect with you all and to grow. But for now, it's TBD.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to put a pin on it. Okay. So... Next question: uh, Will we be doing more history for weirdos trips after Italy? Mm. Also, I think it's, the answer is the same. We don't know. Yeah. If, if if anything, though, I think probably leading towards, like, it's just not in our um in our forecast.
0: Yeah, not that we can see at the moment. Right. Um. What a great Q and A so far. The last two questions, our answers are we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But those are the honest <laughs> answers. We don't know. I think we've all experienced this in the last few years so much can change so quickly right so we're always open to opportunities like video and trips and stuff like that but we have to see yeah we have to wait and see
1: but in the, in short like in the next 18 to 24 months probably not i yeah. think that's that's probably fair
0: yeah i think that's fair to say and the next is ooh, do you like episodes focused on people or events more
1: I know I I saw this question and that one really got me thinking and, God, this is such a com, like a consultant answer, but it depends. Mm-hmm. It really depends on a, a few things. Like one, even like how I'm feeling that day, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, I'll I'll tell you this. I think it's easier to do one on a person because yeah. their story is so much more linear, right? Totally. Whereas. An event, you have to look at it from a a few different angles. Even if it is just an event that it's like within a microsecond, right? Mm -hmm. Or like a day. It's all within, it's like you have to look at it from multiple angles. And it, it can be hard to research at times and piece together like a narrative.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that. Sometimes people though, depending on the person, can be really tough.
1: That's true too.
0: As well, because maybe the reason that, they're a a good subject, is that their life involves multiple events, like big events, or... I don't know how to explain it. it. I really think your consultant answer is a good fit. It depends. Sometimes I feel like it's easier to do an event, and sometimes I feel like it's easier to do a person. It's just... The content, I guess.
1: Right. It really comes down to like what event is it or what person is it? Yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes with with a person like we just did one on Ashoka the Great. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really hard to do Um, like in antiquity. It's really hard to do something from the East because yeah. there's just a lot less uh, resources and a lot less um, like writing about them. Mm-hmm. So it, it, the sources are so Spartan that it's really hard to kind of piece that together. Um, so yeah, I guess long-winded answer me saying it depends.
0: It depends. I've loved yeah. researching and listening to you share both.
1: Yeah, same.
0: Mm-hmm. All okay. right. Let's see. Uh, did I just ask or did you just Yeah, ask? you
1: just asked that. So it's okay. my turn. Have we ever tried any weird or super old recipes?
0: You know what? We kind of did. Yes. We didn't make it, but we purchased it. This is an old-timey thing to consume around the holidays. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Wasail, wasail. Yes.
0: <laughs> we, we tried wasail. <laughs> it sounds like it's fake. It's it, not.
1: It's not. We swear it's real.
0: I think it's a, it's a British holiday punch, like around Christmas time. Right. And they mention it a lot in...
1: A Christmas Carol. A
0: Christmas Carol. Which
1: is a play that I've seen a dozen times at least, going yeah. back to when I was in elementary school.
0: Yeah. And they have a song in the play about, like, wassail. Yes.
1: <laughs> and so
0: we were really curious to try it, and we got it pre-made. We, we don't know how to make it. We don't know the recipe. And, babe, what was your take on wassail? Thumbs down. Yeah, it was a thumbs down for me too.
1: It was not good. We ended up throwing the rest. We had like one cup each. Mm -hmm. It came in a jug and we just tossed the rest. It was that bad.
0: Yeah, it was pretty gross.
1: It was not the best.
0: (laughs) Aside from wasail, it's not a weird recipe by any means, but a super old recipe that we've made from scratch is we've made tortillas from scratch together. That's true. And that is a very ancient recipe.
1: Yes, and there's also a food that many Americans eat every single day that you might not know is actually incredibly ancient, and that's minestrone soup. It comes from Italy and is about 3000 years old.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: So, like Iron Age Italy. So
0: mm-hmm. it's very
1: old. And then also, if you're curious, I have to plug this cuz I'm like obsessed and I want to make this myself. We haven't made this yet, but you can make There's a It's one of the oldest recipes I think in the world that we that we know of. Um, you can make Sumerian style beer.
0: Yeah, that's not a we thing. That's gonna be a me that's thing. That's gonna be a... <laughs>
1: especially since you don't drink. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm gonna opt out of the labor of making Sumerian beer if yes. I can't even drink it.
1: But you can. The recipe is is online, and yeah. you can actually make it, and you can make it in the style that the ancient Sumerians did. And I really want to try that.
0: Is it? Have you seen like any videos or pictures of it?
1: I read articles. There was this one classics professor who made it in like 1988. He was the first one to do so because he um,
0: first one to do so since the ancient Sumerians. Yes,
1: thank you. Yes, (laughs) in modern times, I should say, because he was the one who. um, uh, I guess he technically is not a classicist, but he's a uh, he's a ancient historian, and he decoded Sumerian.
0: (laughs) That's so So cool.
1: So he's one of the few people, and so he decoded this. Um, I shouldn't say decoded; he deciphered. I guess it's a better term but he made the beer and he did say it was quite good and they didn't they didn't have hops back then mm-hmm. so that wasn't found in um ancient mesopotamia so they had to use something else so it's not very hoppy it's a little bit flatter and uh, you can eat part of it
0: mm, it's not was, just liquid that's what was going to be my question was isn't it chunkier
1: yeah much chunkier and it had all the actually the nutrients that you need to survive
0: yeah i know it was um Throughout the ancient world, it was a breakfast food.
1: Yeah, breakfast food is even a form of currency, like in ancient Egypt as well. Cool. It's kind of amazing.
0: So keep your eyes and ears peeled for Andrew's definitely solo project (laughs) of recreating that recipe.
1: 100%. Okay, next one's on you.
0: All right. If we could meet anyone from history, who would it be and why? And then a subpart of this question is... What would we say to them? I should have prepped for this one. That's a really hard question.
1: That one's tough. You want me to go first on this one? Yeah, go ahead. I think this is such a basic answer, but I think Julius Caesar.
0: I thought you were gonna say Jesus when you said it was basic. <laughs> and then it's I heard Probably the a better J. answer. <laughs> Instead of Jesus, you thought of Julius Caesar.
1: It's just such an enigma of a human being. It's like someone who could care so much about people yet also commit like what we would consider today genocide, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's to me, it's kind of like, hey, like how, how do you justify this in your head, man? But also, I mean, he shaped the course of Western civilization. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I would just want to know like kind of like what goes on through his head. Mm. And, like, how do you how do you view the world that you live in? Mm-hmm. Just really just try to understand, like, where he's coming from.
0: Is that related to what you would say to them? Or is there something else you'd like to say to him?
1: Um, I would say, yeah, watch out for your buddies, by the way, on the lines <laughs> of March. <laughs> that's such a nerd joke. Watch your back. Yeah, watch your back, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. This is so tough for me. One that comes to mind, I don't know if this is like the ultimate one, Mm -hmm. but it might be. I'd really love to meet uh, Vincent van Gogh or Van Gogh. I actually don't know how you say that. I hear people say both. I would absolutely love to meet him. He's one of my favorite painters of all time. I think he was a beautiful soul. And I would tell Vincent van Gogh just how much his art means to me that I love it, and I love his work.
1: Yeah, I'll always remember that scene in Doctor Who.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if anyone's a Whovian here, you know what we're talking about. There's this really beautiful scene in an episode of Doctor Who where uh, Vincent van Gogh, he didn't die without selling a single painting. I think that's like an exaggeration. He did sell paintings, but he was not by any means famous. He was definitely mocked and ridiculed for a lot of like his mental health issues and things like that so he died thinking he wasn't successful and obviously now he's one of the most successful artists of human history and in this episode of doctor who the doctor brings him to the present and shows him like the van gogh exhibit in a museum and vincent van gogh just like loses it he's so happy to see so many people enjoying his art
1: yeah okay we're moving on (laughs) next question (laughs) we're not crying we're not crying okay so how did we meet? And did it have anything to do with history?
0: We're not that cool. I wish it did.
1: I really wish it did.
0: I wish we met in like a history class or something.
1: No, the story is actually kind of pretty basic, if anything. We were a blind date.
0: Yeah, but kind of um, old school now, nowadays, I guess.
1: I, I guess that is kind of old school. Yeah, it was nine years ago.
0: Not a lot of people meet of our generation or younger on blind dates, but we were a blind date... My uh, sorority in college was throwing its annual end-of-the-year luau party in Malibu. Very fancy. Very fancy. And I thought I was going with a bunch of my girlfriends. And they were all like, what are you talking about? We all have dates. Don't you have a date to go to this party? And I was like, no. I do not have a date. I guess I should get on that. And I was talking to uh, one of Andrew's fraternity brothers, actually, who was a friend. And he was like, oh, I know someone you could go with. And that's kind of it.
1: That's kind of it, yeah. And then I did propose at that very same spot in Malibu Yes. A, a year and a half-ish later. Yeah. So it worked out, I think. I think two years later. No? No, it was about a year and a half.
0: Okay. I don't understand time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As someone who has a history podcast. <laughs> time in my life, my own timeline, I'm blind to it. But yeah, that's how we met and... You were about to graduate. That was the other thing I was going to say.
1: We're, right. I we, literally was about a week away or two weeks away from graduating.
0: It was almost like we just caught each other. Yeah. At the tail end because he's a year, a grade above me. We're 10 months apart in age. So I had another year left at USC, but I got you right at the end.
1: You got, Yeah, I didn't know. And <laughs> I was a cradle robber.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> totally. 10 months.
0: <laughs> okay. Next, who are our favorite historical figures and why should we each stick to one
1: or do we that's a really tough question
0: that's like a an episode length question if we really wanted to get into it and nerd out
1: okay okay i have a favorite
0: okay go for it
1: okay i think my favorite at least in modern times because if you go to if you include ancient it's too many but (laughs) modern times i'm gonna say theodore roosevelt
0: Oh, that's such a good one. I,
1: he is, I mean, one, he's just such a, excuse my French, badass dude. <laughs> he really was. Le badass. Le badass. <laughs> he was really into nature. Yeah.
0: Big um, animal lover. I,
1: big animal lover. Uh, I mean, obviously the teddy bear comes from him. He established the national park system. I just, he he had a lot of integrity. I, I really admire him. Um, and... So I think for those reasons he's probably my favorite.
0: Yeah, he was an environmentalist before there were environmentalists.
1: Right, exactly. He saw how beautiful these national parks were and like let's preserve them. Let's just not develop them.
0: Yeah, let's keep the nature pretty and clean and for the animals. Yeah.
1: And he had a lot of pride of, of in America but not in like a like a weird kind of way in not like, like an a very...
0: overly nationalist way. Right. Uh-huh. It
1: was like in a, in a, he like cared about the people and the and animals and like the <laughs> countryside and he just wanted to preserve and to like make make things better yeah and i just i really really admire that
0: i love that that's a really good one someone that comes up for me is someone that i plan on doing an episode on one day Ooh. so i'll do just like a brief overview of her she is known as in mexican history as la malinchi
1: Oh, I know. I know La Malinchi.
0: Yes. She was an indigenous woman in Mexico. I can't recall the name of her tribe at the moment, but she ended up translating. She was brilliant, like brilliant with languages. She'd hear a language and pick it up. And she met the Spanish. She met Cortez and his men and she translated for them. And the reason she's one of my favorite figures isn't because I know too much about her as a person, but because she's such a controversial figure in Mexican history. Mm -hmm. She's long been painted, I think, outside of context as a traitor to her people, to the indigenous people of Mexico. But I think from the bit of research that I've done, and I want to do more for an episode, I think her story is much more complicated and layered than that and... I'm just going to say it. I don't like women being blamed for men's actions, right?
1: <laughs> I know it was Cortez who was like kind of the POS, right? Yes,
0: he absolutely was. <laughs> Why are we mad at this woman who was doing what she could to survive? They ended up having a child or at least one child together.
1: Who's like the first Mexican.
0: That's what we call them in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. their child is seen as the first Mexican. Um, so just a really interesting figure that's probably one of my favorites um, do you have another one that you want to say
1: well I, I I kind of favorite is kind of a more f- yeah like, f- it's a hard word to like in, define. It, yeah to define especially when it, like in a historical concept because mm-hmm. like I love Julius Caesar Alexander the Great mm-hmm. um, I love Trajan Hadrian especially
0: I was gonna say Hadrian yeah
1: like a lot of you know, there's a few Roman emperors and then there's um. Even, like, a couple of, like, other, like, ancient generals as well. I re- I like, I, I admire Cyrus the Great. Uh-huh. Um, Specifically, he was the first Achaemenid Persian um emperor, mm-hmm. Shah, I guess. And he was, uh, he really believed in religious freedom in a time mm-hmm. where that was not typically valued. And he created the greatest, at the time, greatest uh, empire in, in the history of the world because in part because of that right in part because of his military victories and his genius but part of that genius was just allowing people to live Mm -hmm. and you know it like it it worked
0: yeah those are all really good ones yeah just to list off a few more that come up for me Sakajuya.
1: oh great one
0: really cool that would be a cool episode on Sacagawea her journey so interesting oh my god um I love, this is basic, all the ladies know, fascinated by Marie Antoinette. (laughs) Again, favorite is an interesting term here, but just fascinated by her life and the kind of what she represents. As well as, also super basic, Mm -hmm. Anne Boleyn and her sister. All of Henry VIII's wives, I think, were so interesting. Not because of him, but almost like in spite of him. Mm-hmm. So there's too many. There's honestly too many historical figures to name.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So next one.
0: I lost track of who's asking what.
1: <laughs> I don't remember, but I'm just going to ask this one because okay. it's addressed to oh, me. Oh, yeah, it is. Andrew, did you ever buy the illustrated version of Frankenstein for Stephanie? So short answer is yes, I did. But only because I saw this question and then I w- <laughs> immediately went to Stephanie and be like, uh, what? what Which one did you want again? And then she pointed it out and I bought it for her. So that's that.
0: Thank you, dear listener. Thank you, dear weirdo, for getting me finally. My illustrated, <laughs> annotated version of Frankenstein. It's
1: literally because of you that she got that.
0: <laughs> it's going to be so fun to read that during the spooky season. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh,
1: my gosh. We should do, you should do like a little like live reading for like on Instagram or something for the weirdos during that, during October. Yeah. Yeah.
0: you let us know if that would be interesting or if that would bore you to tears.
1: <laughs> let us know.
0: Okay. Next is... How long does it typically take to research episodes? And a subpart of that is, is the process enjoyable? I think it, it varies. We've said that for so many answers so far, but it's true. Um, I don't track the time. It might be beneficial now that I'm thinking about it to track time mm-hmm. for this. But I'd say it takes a, a few days yeah. to research and to piece together things and the process is enjoyable. I love the research aspect. I will say something that stresses me out sometimes is the pressure to then piece together all the research in an entertaining way. Right. How about you? Do you know how long you take?
1: I mean, first of all, before I even answer that, like, yes, I agree with you 100%. I love the research. Yeah. I I'm going to I'm not going to lie. I hate actually like writing the the episode <laughs> itself. Yeah. Which I'm sure as a husband of a writer. You love this. Yeah. <laughs> you love hearing that answer. No,
0: no, but it's it's hard. It is. It's, it's really a challenging hard. challenging thing to do.
1: For the exact reason that you said, like piecing together a narrative, um, when all the sources say the same thing, that's when it's kind of easy, but it's still a little bit hard because you then you have to ask yourself, what am I missing? What are mm-hmm. all these folks missing? And it makes me kind of go down the rabbit hole, which I actually enjoy a little bit. So I, I, I'd say that's, it's still difficult in a different way, but I enjoy that part. The, time where it's really difficult is when sources either a differ or b they pick up at different places or yeah. like they'll say or both even a combination of the two which I've had before and so you really have to just look at everything look at like half a dozen sources yeah putting like like this piece oh the you know, source a says this source b says this but source c has both of these here but then also like a differing part towards the end and you really kind of have to just piecemeal it together in a way that's really interesting
0: yeah you said that really well Um, something else that comes up that I think is just I don't know it's the product of the times that we live in we're not going to the library anymore to research things we're doing it online is when you find something that's really interesting but no one else mentions it Yes. so then you're wondering like wait is this accurate and it's really hard to verify particularly because we don't have a ton of time it's like a couple days time yeah to string it together that happened to me a lot recently actually with the episode I did before this one the mysterious death of old Hollywood actress Thelma Todd there were a lot of really interesting like tidbits or theories all over the internet but if they weren't repeated I was being conservative with it and I just wasn't including them so that part can be tough but overall I'd say to answer this question more succinctly, overall, it's a really enjoyable process. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. The most controversial question we have so far. Oh, my gosh. Is a hot dog a sandwich?
0: Oh, my goodness. I think... Oh, no. I think no.
1: I... I So... <laughs> I think hot dogs... In are... spirit, I agree with you. I think... What? Because, but like, okay, technically, technically, yes, because there's two pieces of bread that you're putting together, but they are connected though at the bottom. So if they're not connected, then technically, yes, because there's meat and then two slices of bread, right?
0: Is that what defines a sandwich?
1: To me, it does.
0: So then would a hamburger be a sandwich?
1: Oh, that's a good point. Maybe because like technically, okay sandwich is like an overarching category and then there's segments of that right like a traditional sandwich and then a hot dog and a hamburger where it's like colloquially it would be weird if you called it a sandwich but like technically it is
0: maybe i could see that
1: like i that's the way i look at it but i would never ever like ask for a hot dog sandwich yeah exactly you they look at you like you like you're you're an asshole (laughs) you know (laughs) pardon my french but it's true
0: I think hot dogs are not even in the subcategory of sandwiches. I I respect it. Hot dogs are their own category, and I don't eat hot dogs. I eat veggie dogs. (laughs) I was vegetarian for a really long time. This might actually not be something the weirdos know. I was vegetarian for almost a decade.
1: Almost a decade. Like seven years, I think. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was dating her at the time, when she was even. We were engaged even for a, a bit.
0: I was a vegetarian at our wedding. Yeah, kind mind. Then. Yeah,
1: yeah, we were even married for a little bit.
0: Yeah, but um, something that has stuck from that time is I don't eat hot dogs. I eat veggie dogs.
1: That's true. Mm-hmm. You, n- I've never seen you eat a normal hot dog before. Now that I think about it. Nope. 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 Noise. Not
0: gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> Next up is, oh, what is the weirdest place you've ever learned about?
1: So I don't know about weird, but in a the strangest creepiest places we did an episode on it poveglia i
0: knew you were gonna say that yeah. yeah
1: and i just love it has like a little bit of like ancient roman um i guess yeah like late antiquity roman history all the way to the present yeah you know it's, it's had so many different lives which you know if you know anything about like italian history and, and, and i think even greek history as well like a lot of buildings are like that
0: Yes, definitely. That's what's so cool about Italian history in general.
1: Right. And I mean, specifically, we're talking about an island, but I think that place freaks me out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my answer.
0: My answer is a place that you did an episode on, Ooh. but I'm forgetting the name of it and I feel so embarrassed.
1: <laughs> okay. Give me some clues here.
0: I believe it's located underground it's oh darren kuyu caves darren kuyu caves i just could never say it that that's it yeah i thought that was so weird and so interesting and i have such a desire to go see it for myself
1: that was the hardest episode i've ever researched really because i was covering things that go back to the late bronze age all the way to the 20th century
0: Well, you did it beautifully let me tell you. <laughs> Thank you. It was you. really good.
1: I appreciate that.
0: It was, it was such a cool thing that I had never heard of ever before you.
1: And what I absolutely just love about that is it was rediscovered after being inhabited for like what over like 2000 years, almost 3000 years. Mm-hmm. It was rediscovered because some dude was uh he kept on missing like oh, yes. a livestock or some sort of animal they and he his knocked down a, or yes chickens, <laughs> I think uh-huh. that's what it was. And he knocked down a wall and just found this insane cave system because he was Behind doing some home. renos mm-hmm. yeah on his house
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's kind of incredible
0: okay let me see here did i ask the last one yeah you just asked
1: that one so Sorry, what weirdos. what is one historical figure or event that we haven't covered but want to
0: Ooh, i've alluded to a couple
1: yeah you literally yeah you answered that already
0: But there's someone else that I want to do some research on is Chabela Vargas. Chabela Vargas was a Costa Rican singer and songwriter Mm -hmm. who ended up going to Mexico in her youth, and she actually became like a Mexican folk icon. That's awesome. She is rumored, I'm pretty sure it's almost certain that this happened, though. She was a lover of Frida Kahlo when she was married to Diego Rivera.
1: Oh, snap.
0: Yeah. That, that's one that I want to do some more research into. How about you?
1: That's such a good question because I honestly don't know.
0: I know. we, And you know what? We were just discussing this before we sat down to record. We have an archive of amazing recommendations from the weirdos that we're going to better organize because you all recommend some awesome like haunted places, vampire places. I mean, you're going to see in a moment when we go over... Uh, your short stories, your short weird stories. There's a lot of really good ones out there.
1: There are. I I, honestly I can't I can't answer that right now. None I I mean there are. I just like they're just not coming to me at the moment. That's all right. If I if I think of it later on, I'll let you guys know. But for now, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Yeah. Okay. So what historical books do we recommend?
0: You go first because you read more historical books than I do. I
1: do. So specifically, if you're talking about Roman history, I have like literally half a dozen that you can go. But I think the one that I would want to share is SBQR by Mary Beard.
0: I had a feeling.
1: Yeah, that one. It, it, it's a classic for a reason because it covers what she calls like the first millennium Romans. Mm-hmm. So roughly like 750 B.C. to um, to when all Romans were given, given citizenship under uh, third century A.D., uh, it, I forgot his name. It That's was all the, right. he was the he was Septimius Severus' son.
0: Okay. Would you say that this book is accessible for someone who's not as big of a Roman history buff as you?
1: You know, yes and no. There's just a lot of names and
0: mm, that yes. are
1: given, and so that it can get a little confusing at times. But I'd say overall, it is it if you have. A little bit of an understanding beforehand, though, I'd say that that definitely helps.
0: And the thing with so many Roman names is everyone named their kids. Gaius. Or their daughters, (laughs) Agrippina. I know. Everyone has the same name, so it is hard to keep them straight.
1: It does. Yeah, the Julio-Claudians were awful with that.
0: Yeah. Actually, there's a book, speaking of historical books, that I really want to read that's about Agrippina. Let me see if I can look it up really quick while we're here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, also another book that isn't Roman that I think people would like um, would be, oh my God, and then now the name's just escaping me. <laughs> of course it does. There, There is one on, you know, I'm just going to give another Roman one because the other one just came. <laughs> but it's not really necessarily a historical book. It's uh, Memoirs from Hadrian by Marguerite uh, Sidecar or S- something car. Mm-hmm. But anyways, she she writes Hadrian's, like, private memoirs and into, like, a story. And it's mm-hmm. really interesting. I really like that.
0: It's Memoirs of Hadrian by Marguerite Yourcenar.
1: Yourcenar, That's mm-hmm. what it is. Okay. Thank
0: and you. And the one that I want to read, it's on my TBR, is Agrippina, The Most Extraordinary Woman of the Roman World by Emma Southern. That one sounds so good. It's, I'll read you guys since I have my Amazon open. The little synopsis. Sister of Caligula, wife of Claudius, mother of Nero. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the story of Agrippina at the center of imperial power for three generations is the story of the Julio-Claudia Gi- dynasty and of Rome itself and its bloody, extravagant, chaotic, ruthless, and political zenith. Gosh. doesn't that sound so good
1: it sounds so good the julio Claudians. so that was like the first um like set of roman emperors they were just they were nuts
0: they, they were nuts yeah, yeah. They were nuts. and then i don't read as many historical books as andrew as i mentioned but i love historical fiction that's my sweet spot right there i've i'm sure i've recommended it before This is a really popular book, but The Song of Achilles. Oh, so good. It's incredible. It's written so poetically. Madeline Miller, anything Madeline Miller writes, you weirdos will love it. I can guarantee that. And then another one is, let me, I have to look it up. It's called What the Wind Knows. I can't recall the author right now. It's What the Wind Knows by Amy Harmon. This one's very different because Song of Mm -hmm. Achilles is very ancient it's talking about myth and lore um about achilles and patroclus what the wind knows is a time travel historical fiction book oh going back to ireland in the 1920s it's really beautiful that this woman amy Harmon knows her history really well she brings to life actually some real uh historical irish figures and it's a love story and it's going to break your heart into a million pieces. Nice. So definitely check out Song of Achilles and What the Wind
1: Knows. Also, I remember the other book. It's an ancient history book as well. It's called, it's literally just called Sparta. <laughs> like, that's, a, how did I forget that? I'm really annoyed at myself. But it's just called Sparta. I got it from my grandmother's library. Ooh, fancy. I know, right? She's just like, take any book you want. I was like, okay. So I this snagged it. This one's mine. It. This one's mine now.
0: Yeah. And now, weirdos, we are going to move on to reading some of your weird history stories.
1: Ooh. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. So our very first listener story. Good afternoon, Andrew and Stephanie. First of all, congrats on the podcast and doing such an amazing job week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Only podcasts I consistently listen to.
0: Oh. Oh, my gosh. That's such oh a my- huge compliment. I know.
1: Okay. Now, for the topic at hand, growing up and living in Philadelphia my whole life, history is quite literally everywhere, very true, but I have always been interested in Eastern State Penitentiary since I grew up half a block away from it and think the rest of the community would find it interesting. It being the very first institution of its kind in the world from both an architectural and behavioral standpoint. Mm -hmm. Their semi-professional baseball team of inmates, (laughs) Al Capone's time spent there, and a dog that was on death row. No harm was done, inmates tunneling out, and ended up in a bathroom of a local school. And not to forget its annual Bastille Day celebration where tasty cakes are tossed throughout the crowd of people.
0: Okay, this sounds amazing. Also, I also thought that the baseball team name was the Al Capones when I read that. Oh,
1: I am so disappointed that...
0: No, that that's even funnier. Yeah, it's, it's funnier. kind
1: of amazing. So I know this was supposed to be short, and I apologize for the long-windedness. The email, don't worry about it. I'm way more long-winded. I couldn't choose one, but uh, choose one of the many things about the penitentiary. I find these the most interesting, though. And that was from Eric.
0: That is so interesting. So let me... There was a dog on death row. What could the dog have done?
1: I know. it's So maybe it was an accident. Do you accidentally put a dog on death row?
0: I feel like, yes, I feel like the government would do that.
1: The government would do that.
0: That was awesome, Eric. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay, next up. This one just jumps right in.
1: All right, let's hear it. In
0: 1965, the Lincoln Historical Society was given the bell of the original Matanawak Academy, after the building was torn down. The bell has its own special story, told in a December issue of the Lincoln News in 1965. And then here it has quotes, like it's a paragraph that's all quoted. Several of the older Lincoln residents can remember when the bell was rung for the start of each school day, for recess, noon hours, and the close of school. Town meetings were held in the high school each spring, and the bell was always rung for this annual event. When the old high school was torn down, the bell was stored in the firehouse on East Broadway. As time went on, with the adding of new equipment to the firehouse, more room was needed by the firemen, and the bell was placed outside at the rear of the firehouse building. Okay, we keeping track of the bell? Yeah. In about 1942, at the time when Fred Gates was police chief, the bell was stolen from its location in the back of the firehouse. <gasps> Hooligan it was reported to Mr. Gates but it had been missing for approximately 2 days when it was discovered to be gone. Oh no. Upon notifying the authorities in Southern Penobscot, I don't pronounce that right, county, it was <sighs> traced by an authority and it was located in Bradley in the woods on the side of the road. It was reported by this authority that the bell had been turned into several junkyards and the thief or thieves had tried to sell the bell, but no one would buy it.
1: That's amazing.
0: Mr. Gates, upon being notified of the recovery, went down to Bradley and identified it. He had to identify the body of the bell. And it had a town truck sent to Bradley to bring it back to Lincoln. Oh my gosh.
1: That is so funny. All that effort over a bell.
0: And this story was from Riley. But who the heck thinks to steal a bell and sell it for parts?
1: I don't know. Like, was it made of, like, bronze <laughs> or something? They're, they melted it down?
0: I feel like maybe they would have had to melt it down. I wonder if the junkyards were saying no.
1: Because they knew.
0: Because they knew, oh, I've seen this bell. This is stolen. Or because it's, like, too much of a hassle. Right. Very interesting.
1: Very interesting indeed. Okay, so next one we have here is, I believe, from Troy. And he wrote in, hey there, my name is Troy. Okay, so I was right. (laughs) I actually reached out to you guys with a little story a few months ago about a, a Nike missile explosion in the area I grew up in. Oh my gosh. And I don't know if you remember, Weirdos, but we did post on our stories and on our feed that we did go to the Nike missile base here in Los Angeles. Really cool stuff, and that's what he's referring to. If you want to use that story, that's awesome. I do have another one to throw into the ring. So did you know that the founder of Lego, named Ole Kirk Christiansen, started the company back in the 1930s, but he had a lot of setbacks? For one, no one was buying toys. It is the 1930s, Mm -hmm. the Great Depression, so that makes sense. So he would go to the grocery stores and trade his toys for food.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Man, yeah, that was a rough time. The purpose was to try to protect children from the war that surrounded them. His toy factory even burned down twice.
0: Jeez Louise.
1: I can't imagine having the resilience to rebuild from scratch, let alone back into an industry that was difficult to succeed in at that point in time. Very true. All Lego employees actually have to watch a video about the beginning of Lego before they start working there. Hmm. It's kind of cute. Thank you for giving me and everyone else the opportunity to share a weird piece of history. You guys are awesome. Oh, thanks, Troy.
0: That was so cute. Wow. And Lego is such a uh, like a recognized name. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah. To think that it almost didn't happen many times. It sounds like. Wow. This is a reminder, weirdos. Don't give up on your dreams.
1: Yeah. Don't. Don't give up.
0: Mm-mm. Okay. Next up, it starts with happy 100th episode. I'm excited to hear it, including your Q&A. And then it goes, The haunting murder would still fill whispers around campfires and create legends passed along the wooded trails more than 80 years later in my local coastal town nestled in the shadow of the Olympic Mountains.
1: Okay, I love this already. (laughs) This
0: Sounds so good. (laughs) Growing up just a few minutes away from Lake Crescent, west of the outskirts of Port Angeles, I was a child that heard the tale for the first time. I heard it at night on the atypically crystal clear lake where they found her. Oof. The lady of the lake was Haley Latham Illingwood. Three years after her disappearance, her body floated to the surface of Lake Crescent, wrapped in blankets and tied. The case was more haunting and mysterious because her body had not decomposed.
1: After three years?
0: Due to the uniqueness of the lake, her flesh had turned into a soap-like substance that could be scooped away like putty. And that was in quotes. Wow. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. Thankfully, due to her dental records and quite the investigation, her body was identified. She had been strangled by her husband, who had covered her disappearance. He was brought to justice, charged, and held accountable for his actions. Good. Thank goodness. And then they provide a source for historylink.org with more information about the Lady of the Lake. That was really interesting. And they say thank you again from
1: Angie. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you, Angie.
0: Wow. to Three
1: years. Three years and the fact that her body didn't decompose. I'm guessing if it's crystal clear, that means maybe uh, like salt water. I I don't
0: know. know. That's that, that's no really idea. interesting. I'm I'm gonna look into why that would happen. Like, what would need to exist in a lake to preserve something like that?
1: I know they found like ships from antiquity mm-hmm. in like shipwrecks that were not, you know, and all ships back then were wood, right? Mm-hmm. So, and they didn't decompose anything in, in the Black Sea, if I recall correctly.
0: Because of the salt, that would make sense, right? But most lakes are freshwater, aren't Correct. they? Correct. Yes. This is a this is a head scratcher.
1: Yeah, there's there's something about the chemical composition of the water mm-hmm. in certain lakes that like can preserve it.
0: That's quite, so strange.
1: I mean for you know, for years or hundreds of years or even thousands of years. Wow. Yeah, kind of wild. So, next one goes, "Hello. Congratulations <laughs> on 100 episodes. Thank you. History for Weirdos is by far my favorite podcast and I'm so excited to see it hit this milestone." Oh. Literally, like, every time I read something like that, it makes my day. Yeah. I saw you were collecting stories for the episode and just wanted to send in a bit of my family history for consideration. Absolutely. So my name is Charlotte. I'm named after my great-grandmother who passed before I was born, but she is still one of my biggest heroes. She was born Charlotte Budensick in 1923 in Brooklyn, New York. And that's also where she started to work as a fashion model later in life. Wow. Interesting. She had a strong career going, but then the U.S. joined World War II. She decided to leave modeling behind in order to join the WAAC. Oh, okay. That's like the Women's uh, Auxiliary Army Corps, if I recall correctly. She would later be awarded the key to the city of Brooklyn for her sacrifice.
0: Oh, my God. That's, that's a big deal. That's
1: so cool. Your dad was born in Brooklyn.
0: My dad and his mom.
1: Yeah. hmm So... During the war, she was put on the radios that transmitted to the pilots, and I've been told there were more than a few instances where the pilots would flirt with her over the communications.
0: <laughs> I'm sure.
1: That's amazing. I mean, if you were my like counterpart and I was a pilot, I would definitely flirt with you. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. I'd appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. Ultimately, though she fell for my great-grandfather, Navy Warrant Officer Lawrence E. Rust— They were married in December of 1944. Mm. Great-grandma Charlotte had a beautiful singing voice, and after they were married, she sang with an army band under the stage name Rusty Lawrence after her husband.
0: That's so cute. Oh, my God.
1: She sounded so cool. Yeah. After the war, they had two children, one of whom grew up to be my nanny, who was who has told me stories about growing up around diplomats and other higher ups since great grandma Lawrence didn't retire from military service until 1971. He and great grandma Charlotte even attended both inaugural balls of president Dwight D Eisenhower.
0: Oh, wow.
1: That's really cool. They both passed away before I had the chance to meet either of them. But because great-grandma Charlotte died only a year before I was born, and because she is my namesake, she's always had a special place in my heart. I admire her life and accomplishments so much, and even though this summary was a short speed run of her life, I wanted to share what a special woman she truly was. I hope you enjoy this piece of my family history, and I wish you both well as you continue with amazing content. Charlotte. P.S. The life and career of Nellie Bly would make an awesome episode if you ever need an idea for a podcast.
0: Charlotte, thank you so much for telling us this family story. That was so cool. That was
1: really cool, Charlotte, and I'm glad that we could share the story of your great-grandma.
0: Yeah, your great-grandparents sound like badasses. They really do. Okay, next up. Hi, guys. I have a weird local history suggestion from my hometown of Dixon, Illinois. While Dixon is mostly known as the hometown of Ronald Reagan, and more recently we've been in the news for the Rita Crundwell scandal. I'm not familiar with that, are you?
1: I'm actually not familiar with that either.
0: I'm going to have to Google it. Okay,
1: I'm going to Google it right now, so yeah, keep on going. Okay,
0: Dixon has a strange road with a dark tail.
1: Ooh, I like this.
0: Bloody Gulch Road. I'm not sure how much detail you'd like, as... I'm sure the info is available online, but there was a gory murder and the truth is still debated. If you'd like more information, I can see if I can find the book a local author wrote and send it your way. Thank you for your consideration. Stay weird, Jessica.
1: Aw, oh, Jessica, thank you.
0: Jessica, we're going to look into your hometown.
1: Yeah. Also, I looked up Rita Cronwell. Mm-hmm. She's the former comptroller and treasurer of Dixon, Illinois. From 1983 to 2012, it's a long time, and the admitted operator of what is believed to be the largest municipal fraud in United States history. Rita. Rita.
0: You messed up, Rita. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I
1: mean, not in a good way, but kind of badass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Not in a good way, though. I'm absolutely going to look into Bloody Gulch Road. I feel like we got a really good teaser here. Yeah. And we could turn this into a
1: full-blown episode. Yeah, Bloody Gulch Road. I really like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, you're so. You're up next, babe. I'm up to Andrew and Stephanie. My favorite Greek Roman myth is the story of Psyche and Eros, mm-hmm. involving magical arrows, an angry goddess, a betrayal, a quest, apothesis, and a happy ending. Oh. That's a, I mean, that is Greek mythology in just like a nutshell. Except for
0: it. the happy ending.
1: Oh, ex- you're right. You're right. The happy endings rarely happen. It's originally from a story called Metamorphosis, the golden ass by, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's, I love that, by Lucius Apilius from the second century CE or AD. It's also the, quote, only ancient Roman novel in Latin to survive in its entirety, end quote. Wow. I didn't know that. I, I've, know, uh, I, I've known about *Metamorphoses*, but I didn't know that that's the case. That's really cool. So in The Golden Ass, a guy named Lucius gets turned into an ass. And that's a donkey, by the way, guys. And in the middle of it, he and another girl are kidnapped. An elderly woman decides to tell them a story to calm them, which happens to be the tale of Psyche and Eros. The Golden Ass has a Wikipedia page that I couldn't find in here, but it's wild. This podcast is my absolute favorite and it's deepened my interest in history. So thank you for everything from Madeline.
0: I love that Psyche and Eros is one of my favorites it actually is. when we did our episode telling Greek myths I almost picked Psyche and Eros Ooh. so it's a really good one if it's been used like reinterpreted throughout stories for so long but if you haven't read it I, I highly recommend it awesome okay next up Hi, Andrew and Stephanie. I wanted to ask to know more about your bird. (laughs) And if it does tricks or talks, etc. Birds are so fascinating to me and their behavior is so silly. I wasn't expecting this. That's why I'm cracking up. Okay, before I move on to their story, our bird, Delta. She does talk. She does. Mainly, she says, Delta.
1: (laughs) Or Delta, step up.
0: Which is like her trick i guess (laughs) just to step up on her fingers
1: yeah when she's really angry but she does she's not screaming her like head off Mm -hmm. and she just wants to like come out she'll say delta step up she's almost conditioned me to the point where she does that and i go in and i'll get her
0: she's trained andrew well
1: she has that's for certain (laughs) but aside
0: from that she could talk more it's honestly on us that she doesn't. She's a green cheek conure. So they're not like the most verbal parrots or parakeets. But they can talk a little bit. And when she was younger, she used to say Delta Pretty Bird. Especially when she'd look at herself in the mirror. But either her confidence has waned or it's age. Because she doesn't say that anymore.
1: I know. Poor Delta.
0: <laughs> let me move on to the rest of this email. Okay. For a weird history story. As you know... The Romans heavily believed in the gods and their influence over everything. On many occasions of importance, even on the decks of their fleets, they were looked to for guidance and were called, quote, the sacred chickens.
1: The sacred chickens.
0: (laughs) A priest accompanied them as a sort of representative of the chickens. (laughs) During the First Punic War, a Roman fleet was looking to these chickens for guidance to launch a surprise attack on a Carthaginian fleet. The chickens eating the seed meant good omens. Not eating the seed meant bad omens. It's true. The chickens refused to eat. And in frustration, a magistrate said, if they will not eat, let them drink, as he orders them to be thrown off board. That's not very nice.
1: Yeah.
0: Ironically, they lost this battle really badly, and the guy commanding the ship was exiled because of the embarrassing loss. I wonder if we should start doing this again. Maybe the chickens will make better decisions for all of us. LOL. (laughs) Thank you guys for being such a beacon of joy in my life. What you guys are doing is very special. Enjoy your day, Izzy.
1: Aw, thanks, Izzy. (laughs) I had heard of that story. And it is true. It is true. The sacred chickens were real.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that's amazing. It kind of makes me think of the chicken in Moana. Yes. That goes with her on the boat, like it... Is that really dumb chicken?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it
0: goes with her on the quest.
1: And it's funny because the Romans loved birds because there was also – they revered geese as well. There were geese at the top of the Capitoline Hill. And in Mm. 390 BC, um, the city of Rome was actually sacked. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that it happened. It was invaded by a a group of Gauls known as the Sinonans. And they occupied most of the city. The the remainder – of the holdouts were on the Capitoline Hill, like the kind of the, the tallest part of of um, the city, and they had blocked off like kind of like the the entrance to it. And right. there they the, uh, the the invaders were scaling up like a cliff, and the geese just started going crazy and basically alerted the Romans that oh shoot these guys were coming and you know knocked them off the cliff and so they couldn't actually like get up.
0: The geese saved the day.
1: The geese saved the day, and so from that point forward they're even they're revered before that point but they were like really revered like even more so after that point so like pu- like killing any of those geese that were on the capitol and hill was like a capital offense like punishable <laughs> by death
0: <laughs> they really like their poultry
1: they really did
0: mm-hmm. thank you weirdos we are wrapping up with our hundredth episode part one Stick around for part two with the remainder of your questions and your awesome history stories coming soon.
1: Coming very soon.
0: Thank you again, weirdos.
1: And adios. i know is it
0: recording right now
1: no yeah it's recording oh okay. oh my god i really want to use this as a button <laughs> can we use it as a button now that we've said we're going to use it as a button we're going to use it as a button
0: that's a very self-aware button but that's i think super it's self-aware. still a button it is how many times can we say button
1: button button button
0: okay